Welcome to Pontunamanas Offroad, your home for all the latest club news and views. I'm Paul. I'm Laura. And I'm Matty. Okay, folks, we're back on the podcast. So I uh, am delighted to welcome um, today uh, our special guest, uh, which is the one and only Sarah Levison. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hi, Paul. I am fine. I'm, yeah, busy, busy week at work. Uh-huh. Uh, looking forward to doing my hour of power on the bike this weekend for my Leveson challenge. Cool. Well, yeah. It is Thursday and, people, and we're starting to look ahead, aren't we, to the weekend? Mm-hmm. I certainly am. Uh, Laura, how are you tonight? I am very good, thank you. I am yeah. also looking very much forward to doing my hour of power at some point in the next couple of days. Okay. Is this the uh, bike challenge that... Um, who is it who's organising it? It's not Elaine this time, is it? It's um, it's the other Levison, it's David. It's the other David, isn't it? Who's your <laughs> better half, of course. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not in on that, so I'm not quite up on that. I'm doing uh, Mark Carpenter's uh, Improve Your 5K. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, so How's I'm focusing on that. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, I did my sprints tonight, only I think I miscounted. And then I should have done four two-minute sprints, but I think I only did three. Um, but anyway, uh, I was going at full pelt and really enjoyed it. It's quite mm. good fun when you're running fast, isn't it? Um, so that's what I've been doing tonight. What you what you been up to? So you been up to much? Um, in terms of running and stuff, yeah. I'm just trying to get sort of back up to a decent distance without getting injured at the minute. Okay. Um, so I actually went out and did last night. I did the session that I'd written for that I posted on the club page the other day. I thought, well, if I've written it and put it out there for everyone else to do, I might as well get out my stopwatch and do it myself. Yeah. Um, and it was different doing a session like that on your own, where you're kind of timing two minutes and trying to push hard and things. Um, it didn't go as quick as when you've got lovely pont runners to chat with, or at least breathe hard next to. Um, so, yeah, that was quite good last night. I'm aching a bit today. We, we should explain that uh, at the minute there are two two plans, I think, aren't there, going, which is great, actually, because it appeals. Yeah. If one doesn't appeal, you've got something else to go at. So we know Mark Carpenter has put out a... Uh, a routine to help guys improve their 5k times um, so you can check out Mark's blog uh, look it up on our Facebook page um, so he's got uh, various th- three three running uh, interval sessions really um, per week which is uh, quite good fun so it's a tempo a speed run and a, and a long run and then we've got your plan haven't you what, what does your plan consist of um, Sarah? Well it was just a, um, the one I did this week happened to um, it wasn't intentionally supposed to be a 5k kind of plan it just ended up being a little bit similar but it's just to kind of give people who are used to coming to a club sessions something that they can do on their own because not everybody knows how to kind of create a session and run it and I think it just helps people I don't know maybe give a bit of motivation and a bit of focus so through the lockdown whilst we're not able to meet in person up at Pont or wherever we've been meeting for our club sessions um the committee decided we would put up um, just one session plan that people could use on whatever night they wanted to that week or whenever. Um, so I'll, I'll be doing that each week whilst we're not able to run together. Mm. So, I don't know, I might do Hills next week. I haven't decided yet. Mm. We'll see. Yeah, it's quite good, actually, when you when you commit to these things, mm. then then it kind of gets you going, doesn't it? It gets you out, you know, whereas yeah. if you just sit around and don't commit. Um, it's easy not to kind of get out and about, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but once you, I, I tend to find with me this virtual kind of concept, you actually have to commit yourself, you know, to it, and then 
and then you don't want to not do it, do you? You don't want to miss a session then, because it's kind of like you're letting yourself down a bit, aren't you? Although you're not really, but you, do you know what I mean? You're missing mm-hmm. out, aren't you? How about you, Laura? What have you been up to? Um, Running-wise, I've been out for a, a few kind of just social runs with one other person. So I ran with Paul Doney on Sunday around New Bern, yeah. um, just a steady pace. And then I did a run with a, an old colleague on whatever day yesterday was, Wednesday. Um, Again, just another slow run. And I went out for a lovely bike ride with Sarah earlier this week. So that was oh, nice. Okay. So usually my bike at this point in the year is kind of buried with clothes and just sits there until the summer again. But um, <laughs> Sarah encouraged me to get out and it was really nice, wasn't it? Yeah, we actually got sunshine. It was lovely. Mm-hmm. Up, up in Northumberland on the country roads. Yeah. 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 So we both, both decided to keep it up over the winter period this year. Right. But you can hold I, us to that. I, I tend to be a bit of a, a fair weather cyclist, really. But, um, but yeah, maybe I'll dig out my, my bike as well and, and get out a bit more you know, on, on the nicer days. Um, but, yeah, can't beat it on the Thumbland Roads. That's one of the things, and we'll come on to a bit more about this in a minute, but when, when, when I first got to say a bit more, Sarah, was when you were helping me train for the coast-to-coast bike ride, wasn't it? And um, yeah. it was a revelation, wasn't it? Um getting out with me getting out on the country roads in Northumberland is just beautiful yeah um so you can get out there see all sorts of wildlife and you really feel like you've had a day out when you go for a good bike ride don't you oh you really do we've got some of the best roads in the world up here yeah potholes but we'll not talk about those yeah (laughs) you do feel like you've been on holiday for the day don't you Mm -hmm. yeah Especially when you go to a tea shop and have all that cake. Oh, yeah. That was the one thing that we were missing, obviously, because of lockdown. Yeah. yeah. You've got to take your own cake these days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that, well, that's great. So so, so well done, you, for, for getting out there. And well done, everyone. I know everyone's um, participating in those two runs as well, and they're also getting out there as well. So so well done, you, out there for, for getting out there and uh, and, and doing stuff. And, and keep keep moving really um, uh, through through lockdown too, which um, is is upon us for a few more weeks, and then we shall see whether we can resume our sessions again in due course. Um, so so good stuff. So Sarah, c- coming back to you then, it's great. It really is great to have you on, and I'm so pleased that you approached us to, to come on, um, um, because when I was chatting to you um, last night about about today and what we were going to talk about it was quite interesting really how what your story is coming into fitness I think um first of all and then triathlon sort of more specifically so so going back then what what got you what got you into into keeping fit and 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 leading into triathlon what what was your kind of story your journey well I was yeah, when I was a kid, I was one of those kids at school that apart from I quite always quite enjoyed hurdles and I always quite enjoyed like short sprints and things like that. I quite like the field and track stuff. Uh, but generally, I was the kind of person that got my mum to write me a note to get me out of PE. I just didn't I don't know. I just didn't like it. But I think it was probably the fact that it was in school. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't like it at all. I didn't engage. Um, and then as soon as you get to kind of middle school and then further into high school, if you're not good at things, you, you tend not to really get any focus from the schools and stuff. Or, well, that was my experience anyway. So I just grew up really as somebody who didn't do sport at all. I didn't run. And 
I think I had a mountain bike, but I would, you know, a five mile bike would be a ma- major success. Um, so I remember got married to David and then a few years after that, it, I think it was a Christmas and we planned to go for one of these little bike rides on Boxing Day, kind of the, the thing you kind of do when you're on holiday and you do something different. Um, and it was really icy and we couldn't go out. So David said, well, why don't we just go for a little run then? And I kind of looked at him and thought, oh, what? Why would we do that? Um, and I, we went, I lived in Chapel House at that point, and we just went for this run around the corner through this little kind of cut onto a trail. And I don't know, it must have been maybe just over a quarter of a mile. And I was absolutely, I couldn't breathe. I, I was really, really unfit. And David, who's always been fairly sporty, just looked at me and said, Sarah, this is no good. You're 30 and a bit. You're really unfit. You're going to have to do something about this because as you get older, that's just you're going to end up ill. Um, So I thought, right, okay. And also at that point, I think having been quite content and got married, I'd put on a little bit of weight um, and the jean sizes were getting a bit bigger. And I thought, okay, now's the time. So we um, had a look into it and I used the couch to 5K. I know loads of people have used that. It's such a successful uh, tool to use way back when the first sort of NHS Couch 5K podcast. Um, and I remember the girl, I think I think she was called Laura, actually, Laura. I can't, I think so. Kind of talking you through around, I remember she used to give you like little tips. So if you're running along beside a hedge and somebody's on the other side of the hedge, that, that your head shouldn't be bobbing up and down. So things like that to start to try and get you to run smoothly rather than hurting your knees and just little things like that. So I did the couch to 5K and then that was probably, um, I don't know, about, I can't remember the times. I'm useless at timelines. I forget years. But I know that that led to my first Great North Run 2012. And then we moved to Great Park um, a year or two after that. And David was getting into triathlon at that point. So I'd kept trying trying to run, doing little bits. I think I did the Great North Run a couple of times. Um, But when we moved here, David joined a club. And he tried to get me to join at first. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not not joining. That's what real runners do. That's what real sporty people do. And I was so nervous about joining the club. But he eventually dragged me along. And I think my life has just completely changed from from that point on. Because I think... Running with the club kind of changes how you approach running in a, in a way. It, it makes it um, more of your life because there's the social side, there's the people. You, and I think it led me to getting involved in things that I otherwise I would never have bought a bike, for example. I just probably would, you know wouldn't have happened a road bike. I mean, um, so yeah, that was the kind of the early start. Um, yeah. Shall I keep going? Did, or just... <laughs> did, did, did you not do much um, sport or anything when you were in your 20s then? It was only when um, David, um, when you two got married, and obviously it was part of the, the, the marriage agreement probably was that you had to get into <laughs> fitness. <laughs> I David. Yeah, I am so surprised that he married somebody who wasn't sporty, given his, I mean, he's done like table tennis and tennis and all sorts of stuff alongside he was very, he's very musical as well so he you know played the trumpet all sorts of stuff when he was a kid he's just one of these sickeningly talented people uh but yeah when we got married it was i just wasn't sporty at all so yeah that is a, a funny one opposites attract obviously um 
But the yeah, it is funny when I speak to my family now, who kind of I've seen it on and off, obviously throughout our married life. They kind of, they they kind of say to me, "So what what happened to you? How are you so sporty? Because you were never sporty when you were younger." And yeah, I think it's interesting what you said about the attitude at school, and I think I think that certainly I can identify with that as well. And I don't know how well sport maybe that's the problem. You know how well sport in inverted commas, is, is is taught at schools, really, because I think you're right, unless you're very good or have got a bit of talent, I don't think you do get much attention. And maybe that explains why maybe in your 20s, like I did, I didn't do any sport in my 20s and just switched off. You know, it was only later that we sort of kind of got into it. You know, yeah. I don't know whether... I don't know whether you experienced that as well, Laura, but I certainly did. Yeah, I, well, I think it wasn't necessarily that I didn't get the attention or anything, because I was actually quite good at sports, so I did used to get put forward to, for things, but it was always sports that I didn't enjoy, like netball. Like, I just didn't want to play netball. I didn't enjoy it at all, but that was the only option. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't particularly well-led then, but I, I like to think that it maybe has got a little bit better since yeah, that's so. Years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's so. So, so, so in your thirties then, and 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 obviously you, you probably just turned. I'm not gonna say how old you are, but you probably just over forty, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that was a punt. <laughs> dangerous, dangerous territory there, Paul. I'll, I'll have to cut that out. But anyway, so so <laughs> so you so you got so you, you got to know David. You 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 joined the club. You, you mm-hmm. did your five. You did your couch to five k. Yeah. And then you, you start to get a bit of a taste for this and, and, and got a bike. But but really, you you, you you had a few injuries as well, didn't you? And, and Yeah. I think that was... Um, so I think joining the club, my running progressed quite quickly. I think it does when you, you join a club and you're doing proper interval sessions during the week and things like that, rather than just plodding, which is what I used to do, just plod around. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with plodding because some people, that's actually all they want to do, so that's perfectly fine, but I wanted to get better. Um, and I did. And then I remember one sort of looking at people doing triathlons and I bought my bike in, I think it was 2014, but I didn't actually ride it very much first got it I was a bit scared of it because you know races as they were called when I was a kid they're quite serious things um but the trigger for another trigger actually wasn't a sport related trigger it was we were going on holiday to Australia and I wanted to be able to go snorkeling on the Great Barrier Reef and I but I'm actually or was although I guess still am frightened of water so as a as a kid, my mum had been really scared of water. She had lots of like obsessive compulsive disorder issues, and she used to have panic attacks in relation to water. So that was kind of what I grew up with: that water is not good. Um, and she, you know, she wouldn't have taken us swimming. I think my, I remember my dad taking us a couple of times. Um, and one of the times my dad took us was I think I was probably about eleven, and it was in Gosforth Pool. And I remember it being really busy and I had the float kind of under my chest and I'd gone past my depth and the float flipped out and away, but I couldn't actually swim. So I remember treading water and going under and then kind of finding my way back up and gasping and going back under. So it was a true non-swimmer kind of I am drowning, please help me moment. And I think that coupled with my mum's fear just put me off water completely. So I could go to a pool 
and I could do head out of water breaststroke. But the idea of putting my face in the water so it covered my eyes and my nose and my mouth, I couldn't really couldn't see, was just a non-starter for me. So when we were going on holiday to Australia, I thought, come on, Sarah, you can face this fear. And it was actually David who just went to Pontilan Pool with me. We went dead late on, so there was hardly anyone there. And I remember being really embarrassed with the lifeguards sat there watching because it was it was really a case of put your goggles on, put your face in the water, take your face out the water. Okay, you can do that. Right. Now put your goggles on, put your face in the water, breathe out and take your face out. So it was like a real staged approach. I remember trying to do my first few bits of breaststroke with my face in the water and swallowing a whole load of it and um, sort of having to stand up in the middle of the pool, coughing and spluttering and stuff. But that was the start of me learning to swim um, and facing that fear. And I went to Australia and I did my snorkeling. Um, I remember sque- there's actually a bit of video of me screaming a bit under the water, but that's because the fish were coming too close. I didn't like it. <laughs> it was really beautiful, but yeah, a little bit. It was well outside my comfort zone, put it that way. Um, so when we were on holiday in Australia, I actually, David said, right, do you want to try front call? I I just said well yeah but I've got no idea how you do it how do you actually do it and he just explained it in a few words and I had a go and he said right I I don't know I can't teach you anything else that's it really (laughs) so it just kind of clicked and then and yeah the rest is history in terms of swimming so I kind of joined the try for you sessions on a Monday night eventually after going to the pool quite a few more times and doing a full length and I remember the elation actually when I did my first full length and then you do your first two lengths and then eventually you hit 10 and after a while all of the it's quite a hard thing to learn as an adult because there's lots of different movements and things you've got to coordinate so I think it's quite hard to learn to swim as an adult but I remember getting to about 12 lengths and everybody said this would happen and it just clicked and it starts to become part of your sort of muscle memory and your your brain functioning and it, it kind of becomes a habit thing so, yeah, so learning to swim and then getting on the bike as well. So that was, yeah, that was quite a big year, actually, 2014. That, that's huge. That's a really quick progression from going from being really scared of water to doing a first front crawl and getting a bike and getting out there and doing all of your um, couch to 5K. That is a lot <laughs> in a short space of time. Yeah, I often wish I'd done it earlier as a kid because you wonder what you could have achieved, but... I'm just so glad that I've had David to kind of encourage me on, but also that things have turned out the way they turned out, really. Mm. Did you did you find swimming in the sea uh, a scary experience as, as well? Because uh, obviously you can't touch the you can't touch the bottom, can you? No, there's no bottom. <laughs> you can't stand up, really, can exactly. you? <laughs> yeah, I think in terms. So I don't think the fear ever really goes away it's about managing that fear and I've managed to do that in a pool but I think open water is still something I'm yet to conquer um, and that's something I might I might although I'm saying this on a podcast so I'm just kind of saying it now aren't I, that I would I would like to conquer that fear really I would like to do that next year um, I don't you know I faced the first part of that fear and I think I just need to keep going now yeah yeah, I think you've got that fear of the, of the open water, haven't you, Laura? Based on what you've said before, you know, you've um, not really taken that much. Do you think it's not like it's not a fear of the water or not being able to touch the bottom or anything like that? It's the it's the the fear of getting seasick is one thing, 
and then the fear of just not moving <laughs> I feel like I'm trying really really hard and then I look around and I seem to have gone backwards and I'm like how has that happened everyone yeah. else is miles away and I'm still here <laughs> you've done some quite big swims though haven't you Laura I'm sure you've yeah. done big swims but it takes me ages and ages and ages to do to get around and I don't know what I'm doing wrong but I'm hoping that the coaching that I'm getting off David will really help me which I know will come on to well, you'll be able to give you some uh, open water skills as well because it's a little bit different. There's a few little additions you can add to your your toolbox, which can help you with open water. Things like sighting, how to sight and stuff like that. Stop you going around in circles. I'm good at that. <laughs> terrible at that. <laughs> so, so, that, so you, as, as Laura said, though, I mean, looking at it, I'm just making a few notes. I mean, you have come an awful long way in in quite a short space of time so mm. so here we are in in lockdown you, you were progressing nicely through through running and through swimming and and getting on the bike and and so on but this year has been quite a kind of transformation in some ways hasn't it because not only have you taken that uh, and um, further by by cycling in the, in, the, in the dolomites was it or in the italian alps this year in the summer yeah. you were fortunate to get away you know you were able to get away and, and, and do that, which is like huge. You, yeah. know. <laughs> you know, it's not like going up the rails, is it? You know, it's it, it's massive. And then so talk us a bit about that. And then and then and then what's happened since in your in your life? Well, the the, the Dolomites, we went last year and again this year and we did manage to time it this year really perfectly just before the quarantine stuff hit. Um, so cycling out there is. One, it's joyful because there's, it's just warm and you don't have to worry about. I mean, it, it does rain, but you know, it's beautifully warm. And the, the interesting thing about cycling there is there's no flat. It's either up or it's down. <laughs> so you're either climbing and climbing. We did Stelvio Pass this year. Um, we did, yeah, we did a few, a few different bits. Actually, I can't remember them all now. We did Alpes um so lots of climbs where you are you're just in your what i call your granny gear but i probably shouldn't say that um you're in your very easiest gear and you're just climbing really slow you find that cadence that you can stick at and you just keep going and there's hairpins one after another one of the climbs we love in the dolomites actually has is it 43 or 48 hairpins so going up it or down it is just (laughs) recommend it to anyone who enjoys being on a bike to go out to the Dolomites is just a stunning area of the world. Um, and I also did the coast to coast in a day this year with my stepson, Matthew, who you all know. Yeah. Um, that was an amazing achievement as well to do 128 miles in a day with the, the amount of, I think, I can't remember how much elevation it is now. Is it about 9,000 feet? It's a lot anyway. Um, that so, in itself, I know you've just kind of dropped it in there as, oh, yeah, I did the coast to coast in a day as well. It's like that in itself would be a decade long achievement for me. I'd be shouting it from the rooftops. <laughs> but I just think they see one of the reasons that I, I was kind of interested in sharing my story was not because not because I think I'm amazing in any way, but because I'm very average at what I do. I really am. I'm not you know, I'm not an amazing sports person athlete. I'm just I'm just Sarah. I'm just somebody who goes running and goes cycling and does a bit of swimming. And I just kind of wanted to share this because I was I was chatting with somebody else in the club and they thought, oh, I just assumed that you'd always done stuff like this. And it struck me that especially as a, a run leader and and a tri coach, which is the other bit we can talk about in a bit. But 
that people think quite often some people, not everybody, but some people will look at people in those positions and just think, well, I can't do that. And really what I'm trying to say is anyone can do it. I only bought my bike in 2014 and I didn't really start riding it properly until a bit later than that. Maybe I think it was 2016, maybe my first two day coast to coast. I just think, I mean, Paul, yourself, you've kind of done it. Laura, you you actually both of you have been people who with David and I have started this cycling journey. I just really wanted to encourage people that not to discount yourself from any of these activities because they're really achievable. That's yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to share all of this really. Yeah, that's a really good message. I do think it's easy for people, especially people who are new to the club, who see somebody who's a leader to assume that that person has always been super fit and because they might not have seen that person's journey but actually when you've been with the club for a little while you see people come from couch to 5k and then go on to doing things like triathlon yeah and so you can see that people are just normal people but they can achieve great things yeah it's a bit it's a bit like with running and and somehow sometimes people say oh well I, I didn't want to join the club because I thought you had to be a good runner to be to be a member of a running club, and, and, and we've always said that's just like so not true, you know. Yeah. And we try to be as open as possible, but you don't. People don't tend to realise it until they've actually joined the club, you know. Mm-hmm. But but you're right, you know. I mean, um, you know, when we did coast to coast, you know, I hadn't been on a bike on, on 30 years. I didn't even have a proper bike, so you know, I bought a second hand bike, and you were very good with me and helped me get the confidence, Sarah, to get to go and do long rides. I remember that first ride that you and I did when we did 20 miles. Yeah. And that was the first time I had ever done 20 miles, you know, on a bike, you know, in a session. I remember getting to the end of it with you and, I, and you saying, I realised I should have had more food. Yeah. <laughs> Your first kind of realisation that you can't, you, you need to, in cycling, you need to eat lots, which actually is a really good thing about cycling. You can eat lots whilst you're doing it. Um, I think that's something you, I know, Paul, you've really taken on board, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> He's never stopped eating since. Like, every time I turn around, I see him eating something. On the yeah. coast to coast, I, like I never stopped food. eating on the coast to coast. And the reason for that was because because of that ride that we did, and I bonked on that ride. Yeah. We, if you remember, I, I completely uh, ran out of energy. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you gave me something to eat and stuff. And, and we got back to the, uh, the leisure centre. And, and that's what that was the one thing that I learned that day was, uh, yeah, fueling is different uh, to being on the bike than it is to fueling when you're doing a long run, certainly. Yeah. And uh, when it came to coast to coast, I was worried that I would that I would bonk again. Um, and obviously being as part of a group um, and run out of energy, you know, on the coast to coast is not what you want to do, which is why I kept eating every time we stopped, basically. That's my excuse anyway. Can I can I just um, ask you to clarify what the word bonk means? Because oh, yeah. I dropped it into conversation the other day with a couple of runners and they were like, what? <laughs> they thought I said something really rude. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's when you run out of energy, basically, when you're on the bike. Uh, it can happen on the, when you're running, of course, as well. But m- more often than not, it's a, it's a cycling term, is it not? You'll know better than me, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Cyclists will use that term for when you hit that. You hit that wall where you've yeah. used all your energy up. But the thing when you when you do that on a bike, you're on a bike when that happens. And so if you're going a bit, you know, a bit kind of cloudy in the head or you're shaky or whatever, you could be doing that at 20 miles an hour down a hill. So it's really, really not a good thing to, to happen. I remember it happening to me once when I was on a ride with David and 
we weren't far from home when I was really at rock bottom. And I don't remember a lot of the last sort of mile or two of getting home because I was really, really hungry. But if you leave your nutrition till just that bit too late, you can't actually make up for it very well. You have to eat at the right time. And that's it's this kind of thing that I think puts people off trying to learn a cycle or, or for the swimming. I just, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do in a leisure center. I'm nervous. And I think with running, it's so much more easy just to put your, your trainers on and have a go running around on the streets. Yeah. But cycling and swimming are just that little bit harder, I think, for people to have a, a, a nervous go at. And that's, that's my passion, really, to kind of help people get rid of some of the myths and give people some of the information and knowledge that they need to have a go. There, there is a reason why cyclists go to tea shops, isn't there? Oh, yes. Yeah, there, there's a reason <laughs> for that. I mean, um, I mean it's tough in your, fa- in, in your family, Sarah, because David makes you do 40 miles before you're allowed to go to a tea shop. But in my house... <laughs> 15 miles is enough to get me to a t-shirt <laughs> but no I mean I remember and I'll come on to the coaching in a minute but I remember when we did one of those training the, the, the longest training when we did I think was 60 miles or something and, and I hit I hit rock bottom as well I'm on the way back on that and I was about to throw the bike into the hedge to be honest because <laughs> uh, I've lost everybody I was always at the back if you remember I was I, always I, at the back yeah. um, we went to is it Alan Alan Heads Alan, yeah, Alan Heads yeah. Well, yes, and I think I remember we came back through Corbridge, and I remember you had a particularly hard time with Aiden Bank. Yeah. But that is a killer hill, you see. I know, I know. It's a killer hill, and it's at the end of a lot, which is why we do it as a good C2C training ride, because you need to know what it's like when you're tired to have a hill like that to climb up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I remember that day. Yeah, and uh, and you and you and David were great because uh, you you waited and David came back and. Uh, cycled with, with me all the way home and I said to David you didn't have to do that you know you just go on I'll be okay now and but you didn't so you were both great which, which and obviously you've done some some cycling sessions sort of prior to that and after that with with people in the club haven't you at the at the leisure centre and in the school grounds um some people yeah. will know you for that just yeah. that sort of cycling skills and proficiency you know stuff we've we've probably forgotten them since when we were kids really and learning how to ride a bike sort of properly um but it, it came as no surprise to me to, to hear that that you've now taken that that skill that you have and, and david has it as well i think um that skill of of helping people and and genuinely wanting to help them improve um to another level hasn't it in terms of what you're doing now coaching sort of on a more serious basis do you want to tell us a bit about that yeah i mean i, I it's funny isn't it how in life you just kind of happen into things without ever really thinking that you're going to do this because mm. um, if you think about what I've just told you about where I've come from who think I'd be a triathlon coach now it just sounds crackers doesn't it um but I just wanted to help out at the club so I said well I'll, I'll become a run leader but the best course available at the time was the triathlon training so I just thought oh that sounds fun I'll, I'll do that and then so I did the first course and then did the second course and then before you know it, you're able to like lead coached swim sessions and stuff. And I just thought, how how am I doing this? How did I get here? Um, but I think I found that helping people kind of overcome some of the, the I don't know, the questions, the fears, just enabling people to get into stuff. I just found it such fun and so rewarding. And I mean, seeing 
people do the coast to coast to not been on a bike for goodness knows how long and or never really ridden I honestly could just cry sometimes with with sort of joy about what a wonderful thing that is to help somebody do um it really is great so I remember doing the swim coaching so I did loads of sessions at the the club sessions on a Wednesday night but there was loads of people who wanted to do those sessions but didn't have the kind of technique so the coach sessions you need to actually be able to just about swim because you need to be active in the water for an hour so if you can't do a length of front crawl you're going to struggle to engage in those sessions they are coach coach sessions rather than swimming lessons and that's what I realized the gap was because we're a tri club so we have a triathlon session but there was loads of people who wanted to do those sessions who who couldn't and I just thought well I'll go away and do a swim teacher course and then I can help people do that so I did the first one and then I thought well I'll, I'll do the second one and then all of a sudden I found out that I was actually quite good at swim teaching and and then I just thought well I might as well take this a bit further so I was working at, at the university at that time and getting a bit sort of fed up with my, my job and the fact that I'd been there 16 years and I wasn't feeling like I was doing stuff of real value and so I thought okay I'm going to be brave and leave the day job um, and look for something else and see if I can do any of this coaching stuff alongside it because I just found I was really really enjoying it and I had I had something to offer which I feel silly saying because I'm not somebody I'm not very good at blowing my own trumpet I really I, I find it quite an uncomfortable thing to do but I actually realized I had something to offer that's quite nice to say that mm-hmm. um, so yeah so I've started actually offering swim teaching and and Davis is also a triathlon coach as you all know and we realized that together we make quite a good team because he's Mr I'm going to beast you till you can't breathe anymore <laughs> I'm much more the gentle approach um I kind of you know I'm a bit more reflective I'll look at your swim technique and give you tips on that and I think between us we've got quite a good set of skills so we've set up a little coaching company called DS coaching no prizes for what the DS stands for um I, it's not it's not meant to you know earn me millions of pounds or anything like that it's just a small venture um to offer things like so we're doing swim lessons um or I'm doing swim lessons because David's not qualified to do that he can do triathlon plans um yeah so we're just kind of very very new early days just starting out um see where it goes it, it, it's great and there's another side to it though isn't there about the Drawing, I think, on your own experience and probably she's probably mirrored in some others um, in the club as well, this fear of the water again mm. and how you overcome that, whether it's open water or or just being in the water itself. There's, there's a bit of a, another angle to that, isn't there, for you? Yeah, I think there's a... I was, after I qualified as a swim teacher, I did reflect on my own experience because the idea of just a few years ago being too frightened to put my face in the water and now teaching people how to do butterfly and goodness knows what wow. I kind of I thought back on that journey and it may I just googled aquaphobia because I thought how how common is this is there something I can do to train to help people with that and there was so I did a, a, a little course on so I'm now an advanced aquaphobia coach which sounds very grand um and so I'm qualified to deliver a program, 
a sort of like a 12 step program which takes people through from being potentially too frightened to even walk into a leisure center because being near water is simply more than they can cope with through to being confident to get into a pool and to kind of manage how you move in a pool so it doesn't it doesn't teach you how to swim it just means that you can get in a pool and if you float you can stand yourself back up confidently without losing your balance or putting your face in when you're not expecting to and things like that so it's just a program to get people through that fear and that was what I was sort of referring to earlier on when I said your fear never goes away it's about learning to manage the fear and the the reason you do it with a coach is that you you face your fear little by little and you repeat exercises until you know you're still frightened but you can do it anyway um so yeah I'm qualified to do that now and I'm really really keen to 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 get going but unfortunately lockdown has kind of hampered my progress a bit and pools have shut again but that's all right it'll hold there's nothing nothing going to spoil um so I'm just really keen to to start working with people with that and the thing that struck me was how common it was even so we've started doing some sessions on a Thursday night at Elzik where we've got one lane of people who do the coaching side, like Try For You, like the club sessions on a Wednesday night. But I'm also doing a swim lesson lane. And there's people in that lane who didn't want to put their face in the water and were really quite nervous about it. Um, so, yeah, I'm really keen to, to help people with that. And the stats on it are amazing. Um, the RLSS, Royal Life Science Society, did a study a few years ago. 13.8 million people um of too frightened to swim too frightened to get into water um i think it was something like four million unable to have a bath or shower because they can't submerge themselves at all in the water or put their face in the water and there's there was some other stats as well which i haven't got in my head but it's really really common and there's a lot of adults especially who don't have the skill to swim and when you think that that's a life-saving skill when you think about rivers, seas, all the types of things we're near all the time that you could fall into or whatever, or your your kids, or I just think it's a skill that as you get to be an adult, you think swimming is something you learn when you're young. It's something that most people already have, but that's not necessarily the case, and you can learn it as an adult. Um, so I just kind of want to encourage people, not nothing to do with my business, but if you want to learn to swim you know there's there's ways to do that and don't don't discount yourself from it it's like all these things isn't it you know as you get older you you almost use that as an excuse for carrying carrying on not doing it i mean laura do you remember when we were talking to callum and we were saying you know that um learning a musical instrument is something that you do when you're at school or when you're very young but yeah. if you haven't learned how to play a musical instrument <clears throat> and you're an adult, it's too late. And I said to Callum, is it too late to learn to play an instrument now when I'm in my 50s and, and Laura's in her 40s? And, um, <laughs> and, and and he said, no, it's not. It's never too late. It's, it's never too late. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's the same maybe with swimming as well. And well, it is, isn't it? And cycling um, yeah. and, and it's, all these things. Incredible how common it is as well, just from those stats that you were reeling off there. I know like two members of my very close family who are like probably actually phobic about water, just won't go in it at all. Um, Apart from baths, can cope with baths. But then I was reflecting with you on our bike ride earlier this week about the swim sessions that you did manage to do before lockdown. So there was only three weeks worth of sessions and there was 
Sarah's class and then I was in David's class on the other side and the very very first week the people on Sarah's side some of them were saying look I really don't want to get into the water I'm too scared to put my head under the water by the third week they were doing full-on lengths of the pool with big smiles on their faces putting their head under the water doing front crawl it was incredible how quickly they'd gone from being really really scared to actually enjoying their time in the water yeah Wonderful feeling to see that. It's great. I think, and I think you're right as well about there being a gap because when I when I was doing the try for you sessions, you know, I never got out of the bottom lane, you know, the slow lane where they put you when you can't really swim very well. I, I never got out of there after about ten weeks or three months of trying. I never, I never really progressed, and after that, stopped going. You know, um, so I think you're right. There is probably some if you. If you, you know, I, that probably going to try for you probably wasn't what I needed. I needed swimming lessons, you know, to get to, to get to a certain level of competency to be able to go into a try for you session and do some lengths. And I think I the, really do. the try for you sessions are they are coach sessions. And I remember when I first started there as well, I think that the, the um, Bill, and, uh, Bill and Barry, Phil and Barry, yeah. um, they they do give you tips and things, don't they? But it's not a it's not a taught taught yeah. like that. And I think if you yeah, I, I wouldn't say that if you can get in the water and you can do a bit of front crawl, you probably don't need very much by way of teaching either. You probably just need a few little pointers to be able to do it yourself. And I think with swimming, I think a lot of people as well think that with swimming you can progress by going once a week. But if you only ran once a week, how far, how much would you progress? It's the same thing. You've got to invest in it. And that's why being a triathlete is so difficult because you've got three sports to progressing. Um, yeah. But you can do it. Anyone can do it. That's the message from tonight. Anyone can do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shall uh, look forward to uh, hopefully when uh, uh, the um, lockdown is uh, is over and our lovely new pool can open. Uh, so we have a lovely new pool here in Pontinum, but we uh, we can't open it. It's not open, unfortunately. Um but we are raring to go and we will hear a lot more about that uh, next time around when Elaine's coming on um, to talk about what uh, the club is doing uh, as well around triathlon and the new pool sessions that are coming. And there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in the club, isn't there, around triathlon. But um, And you'll be a part of that as well. We'll update everyone um, in the next couple of weeks when, when Elaine comes on. But, um, but so that's been that's been really great. It's been nice to, to see you again tonight and, and to chat to you and, and hopefully... You know, everyone's going to pick up on some of the messages that you've that you've sent out, and your story I think will resonate probably with a lot of people. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you're, you're never too old, and you're never too you know, you know, you, you everyone's capable of, of doing it if they put their minds to it and wants to do it. So yeah, um, we wish you all the best and, and all the good luck with with DS coaching you and David. Um, I'm sure mm-hmm. you'll be a success at it. You're on Facebook as well. If anyone wants to look you up, aren't you DS? Uh, yeah. How do we get in touch? How do people find you? Yeah, I wasn't going to do like a full-on plug like that, but um, we're all friends here. Yeah, yeah, we've got a Facebook page going, and um, given lockdown and the time away from pools, and we're working on our website at the moment. So uh, yeah, we we shall find you, and um, people will find you, I'm sure. So so thanks again, and we'll see you soon. Very welcome. Thank you very much. Bye for now. Okay, folks, well, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.